Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and today I am very honored to be joined by Mandy Cohen, ESPN XFL producer. We talk about her journey to sports, which started when she was six years old, how she became pretty close with one Michael Jordan, to what it's like to start producing a league from scratch. This is an incredibly inspirational and really fun episode. You guys are going to love it. We are brought to you by Untuck It and BetOnline.ag. And with that, let's get to it, fangirls. Mandy, thank you so much for joining me today. Honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Congratulations on the launch of the XFL. Great. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed watching it. So I'm excited to keep doing so and to talk about your journey there. So I think let's just jump on in and and get to talking about it. Um, first, I wanted to know, how did you get started working in sports? Was this something you always wanted to do, uh, just something that sort of happened? How did that all begin for you? Uh, well, it actually started um, at six years old. Um, I was watching the Super Bowl with my parents, and uh, I turned to them and said, I think I want to produce the Super Bowl someday. That's fair. And my mom... My mom was like, um, okay, dream big, sister. Um, and uh, it just sort of stuck with me. And uh, when I went to college at Northwestern, you know, they, had a, they have a tremendous radio, TV, and film program. And um, I took a live TV class. And it just was so much fun. And it was just a moment for me when I just said, this really is what I want to do. Um, Everyone else in my family is a doctor, um, and wow. I just said I'm no I'm no <laughs> I'm no good at science or math or anything like that. I just want to be in a profession where like nobody's life hangs in the balance, and uh, I'm gonna have Fair. some fun. So <laughs> I uh, I went for it. That's fantastic. Uh, I I think that that's fair. Being in charge of someone's life sounds like a lot of responsibility. Terrifying. Um, yeah, terrifying. Yeah. I definitely like what, what we do better. So what exactly. was, so you go to Northwestern, you take this class. What was the first job? So, um, well, the very first job, I left there the first day of class. I called back to um, WSBN in Miami where uh, I spent some of my growing up years and was my parents were living at the time when I left for college. Called up the sports department and said, I'm looking for an internship this summer in your sports department. And the guy said to me, where do you go to school? I said, I'm at Northwestern. He said, I'm an alumni. When do you get back? Great. And that was it. I started working there. I, uh, I was part of the nightly sports, you know, news broadcast, helping cut highlights and go out on shoots and stuff. Um, so that was the very beginning of my intro into sort of sports journalism. I knew that I wanted to do live broadcasts. And when I got back to school, um, I went and interviewed at WGN in Chicago. Um, they were looking for a person in the booth at Wrigley Field with Harry Carey. Oh, that's they amazing. Had, yeah, they probably had 500 applicants for the position. Um, I was the only female that applied. And at the time, 
you know, I, I will say like your first job, that first job probably takes a little luck, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they literally said, uh, okay, Harry is so cantankerous and difficult to deal with. Maybe he'll deal with a woman better. Hmm. Let, let's, let's just give her a shot. So that's how my career started. Thank you, Harry Carey, for being a little cantankerous. Um, and it, it was just, you know, a, lot, a great launching point. I, I couldn't have asked for a better place to start my career. I came in when the Chicago Bulls, um, their first championship year, and I oh, ended wow. up leaving there their last championship year. So I, I tell people, I don't know. I think my career might have peaked right away and been all downhill from there. I was going to say that I think you're the reason the Bulls won all those championships. <laughs> that cannot be a coincidence. It might have had a little something to do with Michael Jordan. I don't know. Maybe don't a know. little bit, but I don't think a we should bit. give you no credit. How's that? I'm willing to give you some credit. <laughs> it, was, it was incredible. I was, you know, 19 years old when I started. Um, I was still a, a junior at Northwestern, and I was doing – traveling with the Chicago Cubs in the summer and the Chicago Bulls in the winter. And it just couldn't have been a, a more lucky or wonderful introduction, you know, into the industry. And did Harry Carey, was he a little bit better with you being there as a woman? You know, it's funny. I, I think because I was female, I was able to bark back at him where mm-hmm. I don't think like my male counterparts, he, he, he wouldn't take that from them. Whereas with me, it was, uh, you know, I don't know, just easier to sort of take direction from a little tiny feisty female. Um, and so it, it worked out to the point where I started traveling, you know, with them because of him uh, and him wanting me around all the time uh, to help him. And uh, which was great. It was a wonderful experience. And um you know, I was very lucky that in all of Major League Baseball, the only female PR director was with the Cubs. So, you know, when I got there, they were like, oh, just one more. Okay, that's fine. You know, rather than yeah. I did travel with the White Sox once or twice, and they were like, what is this? Who, who, where you come sit over here, don't talk to anybody, don't look at anybody, you know, and I was like, oh, boy, okay. It, it was just, an, you know, the, the, the differences in the two were, were very stark. So I felt very lucky to do most of my work with the Cubs. And then on the Bulls side, those guys were just great. You know, Phil Jackson set a wonderful tone. And uh, I never had any issues on the planes or, you know, on the buses or whatever. They were, they were very good. I had one um, initial run-in with Michael Jordan, and I set that straight right away. And we were good to go. What was the run-in? Well, so. I'm on the road for the first time. Uh, we're in practice in the morning, the shoot around before the game. And we get there and he looks around the room and he walks straight over to me and he says, um, excuse me, miss, can you go get me some coffee? And I said, excuse me, sir, can you go F yourself? <laughs> and everybody just stopped and looked over there and he sort of tilted his head and he stuck out his hand and said, Michael Jordan. And I said, Mandy Cohen, and I'm the producer around here, and I don't get coffee. And he goes, fair enough. And, and that was it. So, uh, you know, I was, he was amazing to me the rest of the time there. And uh, it would be funny because we'd have, you know, I was there eight years, lots of players come and go. Some of them would, like, you know, come over to talk to me or whatever. And he's like, excuse me, you don't talk to her. You don't talk to her unless you go through me. So um, it was very... 
he was he was wonderful and super protective and uh and great so um set the tone early and he said okay we're not messing around no problem that's that's fantastic what a fabulous <laughs> story <laughs> we could end the pod right now but uh, we won't yeah. that is really <laughs> that funny. is really just a fantastic story um and i guess switching gears a little bit but but sir on that path how have you seen that change because now of course there's so many more women working in the sports industry certainly not perfect certainly we could do more but how have you seen that change now over the years there's probably not as much shock in seeing a woman but there probably still is some Yes, uh, it's definitely, you know, there are days when I look around, my um, XFL crew has nine women on it, which is wow. just outstanding. Yeah, I'm so proud of that. Um, and, and nine women in top roles. So it's not, you know, it, they're, they're good, juicy roles, which is just amazing. Um, and then, you know, I'll turn around, and this just happened this week. Um, I'm in the truck. I'm, we meet with the officials. And uh, I'm discussing with them uh, an aspect of the supervising official is going to possibly come on the air with us, not a role he's used to. So I said to him, well, here's how it's going to work. We're going to have you guys make a ruling on something. We're, we have a question about it. We're going to come to you. You're gonna, uh, we're going to say, hey, um, you know, Bob, uh, we're uh, concerned about that call. How did you come to that conclusion? And you're going to say, well, we felt that he made the catch turned uh had an act common to the game and then therefore it was a fumble as a result and the two officials went oh okay an act common to the game okay and i was like oh really wow you would never have said that to a guy so you know over the years i've learned to deal with that differently i did not react the same way i did with michael jordan and instead i said to them yes I read through the entire 64-page rule book line by line, well acquainted with the rule. And, and it sort of, you know, quieted them a little bit. But, but that still happens. It's just an, I don't even think they were trying to sound a little sexist. I don't think they'd even realize it. It's just an unconscious bias that's still there with, with people that it, it's just not inherent in women. And I, I couldn't disagree more. And I often say when, when stuff like that happens, I, I will say to a guy, you, you do understand it's just a game with rules that anybody can learn. So just the fact that you have different body parts in me doesn't make you more authoritative on it. That's and they kind of go, oh, uh, yeah, um, I see what you're saying. So That's to me, it's, it's the unconscious bias that we haven't, we haven't tapped into enough. And, and gotten rid of enough. I will be super excited when that surprise factor is completely gone. I will be very excited about that as well. And I will also be excited when people don't say to me, how did you become a sports fan? Do you have brothers? Oh, so, I do have brothers, yeah. but that's not why I became a sports fan. <laughs> a lot of people well, and I, I would get to say to somebody, no, I don't have brothers, you know, but, but even when I was a kid, you know, so I was a Miami Dolphins fan, had mm-hmm. um, Dan Marino, Mark Duper, Mark Clayton posters all over my room. And, you know, guys would uh, come over to, say, install a phone line. And they would say to my mother, where does your son want his uh, cord hooked up? And she mm-hmm. would say to them, for your information, that is my daughter's room. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think we've come a ways away from that. 
Um, but there are still days when I, when I just feel like we could, we just, we still have a little ways to go. We, d- we definitely do. I think that's, that's very, I actually was just telling a story earlier. I'll give a very quick side note and we'll get back to you. I, I cover the 49ers. Uh, I'm a beat mm-hmm. reporter, so I'm a pretty, pretty good expert on the San Francisco 49ers. And I, I ran into um, a male that I knew a couple months ago who asked me, what I thought was going to happen with the season. And I said, I, I really do believe they're going to go to the Super Bowl. And then he tried to explain to me that things are very different in the playoffs and oh. they'd have to beat the Saints and they'd have to beat the Packers and on and on and on. And I said, if you want to talk about what you think is going to happen, let's do that. But if you'd like to know what I think is going to happen, this is what I think is going to happen. I do understand how it works. I appreciate the Lesson right. Here, thanks for the tutorial. Thanks yeah, for the tutorial, I but I, I am aware of how, how it all works. Thank you. But it, it, you know what? I do agree with you. We've made tremendous strides. It's just that inherent bias. And eventually, I do think it will go away. I hope. I think yeah. We're getting it. You know, I, I, try, I try doing it almost one person at a time. You know, I was doing a baseball mm-hmm. game last summer. And I said to the director, who I'd never worked with before, he was an older gentleman, been doing baseball a long time as well. And I said to him, hey, um, can we lose camera six, please, to ISO the dugout? Bases were loaded, would have been a grand slam that put that team ahead. And he said to me, well, I don't want to lose that camera. Where are you going to get the swing? Well, we've got the side swing, so we're okay. I'm not worried about not having a swing. I would really like to ISO the dugout. That's going to be the shot if it happens. I don't, I don't, I don't really want to do that. I don't think you're right. And I said, well, I'm producing and I'm asking you please to move camera six to the dugout. Thank you. So he does it. Next pitch, grand slam, the dugout loses its mind, loses its mind. Okay. So we go through the whole sequence, the replays, we do the whole thing, whatever, calms down for a second. And he turns to me and he says, I apologize. Good for him. And I said, I just had a feeling. I've been doing this game a very, very, very long time. So then we fast forward a couple innings, bases are loaded again. And he says to me, do you want to do it again? And I said, no, this kid's got no shot. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, 100%. Pitch one, pitch two, pitch three, strike out, we're done. And he's like, okay, I really need to listen to you. I'm like, I have been doing this for a long time. So I could only hope he walked away and said, I don't know why I questioned her. Right. And I probably shouldn't do that in the future. And I like that he apologized. I think that there's, yes. you know, there's a lot in that. You know, we all make mistakes. We all sometimes say things we shouldn't in the heat of a moment, et cetera. And I appreciate him being able to say, you know what? I made a mistake and I'm sorry. Yep. hundred percent. So kind of a little bit along those lines, uh, you know, this podcast is very much for women working in sports, women who want to work in sports. And a lot of our listeners are certainly starting careers in sports if you could give them one piece of advice, what would it be? Would it, whether it be what you said to Michael Jordan, how you handled this situation, what is some advice? And it doesn't have to just be one piece that you would give to our listeners today looking to work in sports. So it's funny. I, I, don't, I don't know that it's female, you know, uh, only advice. Um, okay. But I had somebody say to me a long time ago, right when I was, I was in college, um, one of my best friends in college was Brendan Brown, who is Hubie Brown, the Hall of Fame head coach, basketball NBA head coach son. And Hubie would come to take Brendan out to breakfast whenever he was in town doing a basketball game. And 
I would go as well. And he knew what I wanted to do. And he was out of coaching at the time already and working for Turner at the time. And he said to me, listen, kid, are you 100% sure that you want to give up every weekend and every holiday for the rest of your life? And I said to him, I'm 100% sure, Hubie, 100% sure. This is what I want to do. And I understand what I'm getting into. But that's the one thing that I would say to people is I see a lot of people get into it and then the travel and the holidays and the weekends and they have a family and all of a sudden it's not so good. So, you know, I tell people all the time, I, I have a husband and a daughter and, you know, I, I work a ton. I do travel, you know, right now the XFL is leave on Friday, come home if I'm lucky Sunday night, probably Monday morning. So I'm missing a lot of weekends. Um, and that is hard, um, but I like to think I'm a tremendous example for my daughter. Um, you know, I love the way she looks at life. I love the way her Barbies have conference calls and meetings and kick Ken out of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, I want to be able to be a good example to her, um, but it is hard. And so I would say be 100% certain that that's going to be okay with you. Because it, it, it will interfere um, yes. and, you know, marry someone that will understand and, you know, figure out how to raise a child so it doesn't affect them. I think that is, that is excellent advice. Um, and no one has given that advice yet on this podcast. That's, that's really, really good, really important advice. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing. I, I think it's, it's so important, right? I mean, if you're not 100% in, it'll kill you. Oh, it's, it's true. And people ask me all the time during the holidays, what are you going to do for the holidays? Are you traveling? Like, sure I am. I'm going to be in Minneapolis. <laughs> and then I'm going to be in wherever else. Yep. You know. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I can't tell you how many, can't tell you how many July 4th we celebrated on July 10th. Well, makes sense. <laughs> That's just right. Right. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. That's, that's good advice. Kind of on the other side of what you were just saying um, with the the camera and the Grand Slam, which you were 100% right, have you ever been 100% wrong uh, when doing a live broadcast, and how did you fix that? And maybe you have been many times. I don't know. To me, you sound like you're always right, but maybe you're not always right. Oh, my God. I tell people all the time, if you think you had a perfect broadcast, drop your headset, walk away, and never do another game. (laughs) It is absolutely the only absolute in TV is that you never get it right. So um, if I, I, I couldn't, we would have to be here all day for me to list all the things that I've done wrong. Um, you know, there's, there's so much that can go wrong. You're making decisions a mile a minute and you have to, you know, be confident in them even when they're wrong. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there have been plenty. I can think of six right off the top of my head just from this last Sunday's broadcast. Um, you know, there's, there's small ones and there's big ones. We've had, you know, I've had to go uh, run into the building, find the general manager of a team and um, apologize profusely and get yelled at for 20 straight minutes, you know, and, and I've had to um, explain what happened on the air for three weeks running uh, for something that we did. Um, so yes, hundreds and hundreds of things to varying degrees of wrong. Um, what I always say to people about television is probably try not to make the same mistake twice. Good advice. And, and you'll be okay because it's just, that's all it is. I mean, it's, it's impossible in a live environment to not make some wrong decisions. You just hope the right ones outweigh the wrong ones. 
And how did you get used to that? You know, just being able to say, okay, it's not going to always go right and that, and sometimes you are going to get yelled at. And I think that's important um, for not just young women, but young men coming in the sports industry. There's a lot of pressure on a live broadcast. And sometimes you do get yelled at, whether right or wrong. Uh, so how did you just to kind of develop that thicker skin and learn not to take it personally? Oh, I don't know that I learned it. I think it's just something I'm very, very hard on myself. So I don't know that anybody can be as hard on me as I'm on, I am on me. So okay. I think I'm, I'm okay with it because anything that, that anybody has ever said to me, I know what was wrong and I've said it to myself. So, um, you know, there's, I don't have any problem saying you're, you're right. It was wrong. I'm sorry. I should have looked at it this way and I didn't. But I've never, I've never had a boss or anybody say to me, like, that's the end of it. Most people completely understand that it's a live environment and making those decisions is tough. So it's okay. You know, and, and I always tell people, trust your instinct. When I don't trust my instinct is when I usually do the wrong thing. So that's the most important part of the live environment is to trust yourself. And you said something important that I just want to go back to in that you've taken responsibility. And I think a lot of times today, nobody wants to be wrong. They don't want to be at fault. But it's so important to just say, I take responsibility and I made a mistake and it won't happen again. And I just would love for you to kind of just reiterate that point a little bit, because I think in today's world, we get, at least I've experienced a lot of it wasn't my fault. Yes. Oh, gosh. I, I see that all the time. I'm raising a young child. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a huge challenge, right? That it's okay to be wrong. Um, and I don't know where society suddenly decided that it wasn't okay to be wrong. I, I don't know anybody that's right all the time, for God's sakes. Um, so, you know, I, I can assure people I have said that to my bosses uh, probably every week. You know, yeah, my bad. Um, mm -hmm. And to be honest, that what I always say that does is a, that diffuses the situation. Cause what does somebody say? Right. You know, once you go, yes, you're correct. Uh, it was wrong. It won't happen again. Um, I've stopped even explaining how it happened. Nobody cares. Nobody cares right. how it happened. Just fix it. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I always say, you know, one of my sayings is don't give me a problem. Give me the solution. Mm -hmm. So if you have something that went wrong, say, okay, I, in my head, I know that went wrong. How do I fix it? You know, we, we had one on the air the other day. Um, we're coming to the end of the XFL game and all of the headsets went out. So I okay. can't communicate with anybody. Nobody can communicate with anybody. Um, so the announcers are just talking. They have absolutely no idea what they're supposed to be doing next. The game is final. They don't know how long we're supposed to fill. They don't know when we're supposed to get off the air. We've lost contact with um, our operation control in Connecticut, where they run our commercials. So, um, you know, everybody starts yelling. And I said, okay, like, I got it's broken. Move forward, forward. So call Bristol on your cell phone. Get them on the line and tell them that we're going to go to the top of the hour. I'll call the booth. I'll get the stage manager on the phone. She can write a note to the talent. We're, you know, we're, we're fine. It's fine. We will get off the air, put them on camera. They love that. Not a problem. They'll stay there for the next three minutes if we want them to. So we got through it, no problem. And it was so um, easy. The talent said to me, oh, I didn't even know you couldn't talk to me. Oh, wow. 
So, you know, just just going straight to a solution. I don't care why it happened. We'll fix it later. Right. Mm-hmm. You just got to you, you just got to in the moment do what's best. And nobody said anything to me afterwards. I know that wasn't good television, but nobody even cares why it happened. We'll fix it for next time. So uh, to me, if you own up to something, it just stops the conversation, too. So if more people did that, there would be less back and forth and, you know, all of that. Yeah, I got it. It was wrong. We won't do it again or we'll fix it. We'll figure out how it happened and we won't have it happen again. These are excellent advice nuggets. Before we move on, we're going to take a very quick break to hear from our sponsor. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untuck length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, Mandy, I want to talk a little bit before we get into the XFL, which is I really do want to talk a lot about it because, like I said, I really enjoyed it. So selfishly, I want to talk a lot about it. But first, I want to ask about producing the Olympics, for which I believe you won an award. Um, And I just want to know, how did that coverage differ from, like, let's say, a baseball game or an XFL game? Is it, it it seems like a um, much bigger event, but is it still the same kind of thing every day? It it is, it does feel like a much bigger event. It's funny because I think if you ask a lot of people in television, it's a bucket list event, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I was thrilled um, to get the opportunity to go over to Athens. Um, to do those Olympics with NBC. And uh, I was in the broadcast center, um, or they call it the IBC, the International Broadcast Center. And we were doing sort of all of the wraparounds for the entire day. So a little bit different, only in that I felt like we worked 24-7 for like three straight weeks, mm-hmm. um, which was super fun, um, but very sad to be on the bus ride in from the hotel at four in the morning in Greece and seeing the... Um, people still out partying uh, at four in the morning. And you're like, wow, that's really, I'm so jealous. Um, but the coverage there, it, 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 it is a different animal, right? So you focus way more on the stories behind the athletes. Mm-hmm. You really want to give the audience a reason to root for them. Um, and you have a totally different audience, a, a totally different audience. So most of the time when we're producing a baseball game, a football game, you know who you're talking to each week. The same people are tuning in for the most part. Maybe each week you try to grab a couple new people, get them interested because they happen to turn on the TV. But the Olympics is appointment television for all different kinds of people. 
all like, you know, it doesn't matter gender, color, anything. Everybody comes together for your country. And so you, you bring the athletes home by making them people and you're talking to a totally different audience. Um, and that's a lot of fun because it's a different way to look at it. Um, I, I try to do that in some of my regular games. Um, my college football crew is amazing at um, looking at it. We try to look, look at it like a movie each week. Who are our main characters? What's the conflict? How are we going to bring that home? You know, what, what kind of resolution do we think is going to happen? Let's be ready for any kind of um, crazy resolution that we didn't foresee coming. Um, and, you know, the Olympics is a little bit more uh, of that way of looking at it. It's, it's about characters and stories. And, you know, you almost can hear the music crescendo behind each performance there. Um, mm-hmm. it's the, the built-in conflict is just amazing. And then you add in somebody's, like, insane background, and it's just much musty TV. So I love the way they do things. I love the way they appeal to everybody. Um, and I, I think they've always been done really, really, really well and, and differently. So switching gears now to the XFL, you're essentially producing it from scratch. This is a, a brand new league. What has been the most exciting about that and also the most challenging? So anytime you do something from scratch, it's amazing because you just, I said this this past week, getting the chance to say what if about everything is so fun. You know, mm-hmm. college football is amazing. The NFL is amazing. But they have some restrictions that the XFL decided, you know, would be really cool to lift. And mm-hmm. so for us to go, well, what if we did this? What if we did that? And I've challenged my crew. Um, every week I want everybody to bring one what if because we can. And that's such a unique aspect and so much fun. And it's been so much fun leading up in the month, uh, you know, trying to put stuff together. and then. Even week to week, we, we learned so much last week from just doing one game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what are we going to do this week uh, differently, more using the access? And it's causing all of us to think completely differently. And that, that's really good. You can get into a rut. Um, anybody's job can get into a rut. So to sort of be forced to rethink everything you do and how you do it is just really invigorating. Do you have an example of one what if that came to fruition that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of them, the halftime coverage, I'm not happy with the way that we executed it. Um, I'm hoping this week will be different. Um, But the ability to go in the locker room at halftime. Well, sorry about that. My cat just jumped on the desk and knocked something over. Um, (laughs) That's my life for you. Um, I, I think the ability to go in the locker room live at halftime uh you know one of the crew said well what if we could just go in there and listen to the head coach talking to them live well that's unheard of so Mm -hmm. yeah let's try that um we went in there i didn't love the execution so we've got a different plan for it this week and uh, i'm excited about that but but those little things you know and we we had another one um we had a punt go down to the half yard line and then someone on the kicking team touched it, put it in the end zone, and it became a touchback. And so everybody was like, oh, my God, what is he doing? And our sideline reporter, who normally wouldn't be able to do this, was like, well, what if I go ask him? Mm. We'll go, right? So he goes, I'm going to ask him. Where is he? And so he finds him, and he just says to the guy, hey, what the hell was that? 
And he goes, well, I thought he touched it. I thought it was a live ball. And so we run the replay and we're like, oh, yeah, look at that. I could see how he would think that the receiving guy touched it. Hmm. So, you know, it was just such a cool what if we can, let's do it. You know, and I saw an article written up and someone said in the NFL, that answer would have taken like nine hours to get. Yes. And in here, it took nine seconds. Mm hmm. That is really cool. So, that is really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that that is, I think that that's what's going to make the league successful. Like there's a um, kind of an access, I think, to the players and the teams that you don't necessarily get in other sports, at least not live and in the moment like that. Yeah. Which yep. I think will make it amazing. Well, can you take us through a day in the life of Mandy Cohen? I think on game day, I would love for people to hear what your game day looks like. Sure. So game days are, um, you know, they're very different. It depends if you have a noon start or a, you know, eight o'clock at night start. Um, but for the most part, uh, the, the biggest part of the day is, you know, the time that you head to the truck. So for our noon game this week coming up in L.A., um, Pacific time, we'll get to the truck at 530 in the morning. Um, and that's after already having been there Friday and all day Saturday. So Sunday morning at 530. And um, we'll get there. We'll get organized. We will test out all the equipment again for probably the third time to make sure all the cameras can hear the truck and, and are working and go through our switcher, which is the big apparatus where you push all the buttons to put things on the air. Um, we will check all the tape machines. We'll check all the communication. So, uh, you know, we sit there and, hey, can you hear me here? Can you hear me here? Can you hear me here? And it's, it is a long process to make sure that every single button in the truck works, basically. Um, and then we will take about an hour to an hour and a half to rehearse where we go through all of our elements, every single sponsored element, every single wipe we have, rollout, tape piece, um, anything you could possibly think of. We put the score bug in, we, you know, pop up things, we try graphics, we, we run through everything. We go through with the tape room, we, um, go through plays and the rules of the game and we show them how we would run a replay if this happened or how we would run a replay if that happened. And we go through about 10 different big scenarios that require the tape operators to understand how we want that rolled fast, slow, frozen, jogged back and forth, et cetera, replay reviews. Um, so we'll rehearse for a while. Then we'll give everybody a break to grab something to eat. And when we come back, it's, um, you know, bumps sending down to Bristol. We'll record any sort of pregame hits we need. Um, we'll start looking at players coming onto the field, who looks healthy, who doesn't look healthy, who's not out there, who is out there. Um, and in this league, we'll start talking to people because we're allowed to speak to whoever we want, be wherever we want. We can go talk to coaches and, and you know, get some last minute tidbits and find out who they did decide to start at quarterback. And, um, and then we'll actually rehearse the open um, and whatever uh, we decide how we're going to come on the air. And, uh, and then it, you know, comes up pretty quick, even though it was 530 in the morning, noon comes like that. And, uh, you know, we're on the air. And uh, we'll do the three hour or so broadcast. And then uh, when we're done, for the most part, we're done. Sometimes we have some post game hits and stuff like that. We usually all have a quick chit chat. Um, and then uh, if we're lucky, we get a flight home. If we're not lucky, we make ourselves lucky and we go have a cocktail somewhere. <laughs> Seems very fair. 
Sometimes you have yes. to make your own luck in life, and that seems yes, that's fair. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right, that's a very full day. That is a very, very busy day. It's you know I ask all of our guests because kind of like what you said, you know, be a hundred percent certain because there's a lot to give mm-hmm. up. I think it's important to understand what goes into it. We all turn on the TV and there it is, but that's not how the day begins, uh, and that's not where the so day many- begins. Yeah, it's funny because so many people, you know, I'm flying for college football. I fly on Thursday for XFL. I fly on Friday, but, you know, I'll be on the plane and watching game film and someone will say to me, why are you doing that? Why are you watching a football game, taking notes? And so I will explain to them and they're like, the game is Sunday. Why are you flying today? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I have to go straight to the stadium when I land. And they're like, well, what are you doing for two and a half days? Yeah. I'm like, well, it doesn't just show up on the air. Yeah, it's, it so, is, it yes. is funny. People don't get with, I, I have friends who, you know, live in the Bay who say, well, I'm going to be at the game. Can you get a drink after? And I'm like, I, I won't be done for three or four hours. Right. So, right. That's, so no, I mean, unless you want to just hang out, <laughs> but you probably don't. Yeah, so. well, and I, I hope none of my family is listening, but sometimes I will go to a city where they are and I don't even tell them I'm coming because the, the amount of time that I have to spend free time is basically zero. From the second I hit the ground all the way through, we're working on the broadcast, you know, 24-7. So I, I oftentimes don't even tell them I'm coming because I don't want them upset that I can't see them. Yeah, I think that's fair. Oh, I think, yeah. I think that's absolutely fair. Um, all right, I have one more question for you before we head into our five fun facts. And that is, actually, it's kind of a little bit of a two-parter. The first part is, what is a criticism you received early on that while tough to take, help to shape your future in a positive way. But then the part, next part of that question is, have you had a mentor that kind of helped you to deal with that type of criticism? Sure. Um, I would say probably early on, the criticism was that I was too tough. Okay. Um, and I think, I think that stemmed from the need to prove myself. And that unfortunately is, you know, part and parcel of being a woman in the business and and the reaction you get from other people sometimes makes you feel like you have to prove yourself um so as a result I was tough I was tough on other people and very tough on myself and so people said to me almost a little bit of like hey calm down right and and Mm -hmm. I think if I had to tell somebody coming up you know don't get defensive it's not worth it. Just mm-hmm. prove yourself quietly and professionally. I like that. Yeah. And then my mentors, you know, people have asked me that over the years. I had a lot of people who were very, very good to me in the business. But if I really thought about it, um, I would be doing a huge disservice to the women in my life. I come mm-hmm. from an incredibly long line of powerful, strong, wonderful women from both my grandmothers who had careers, not just jobs, but careers, which was unheard of, mm-hmm. to my mother and my aunt, who are, um, my mother is a doctor, my aunt is the um, head of the history department at Fordham University, um, to my two cousins and my sister. My sister is a um, the head vet at a uh, Emory facility. Um, wow. My uh, other cousin is um, runs her own um She's an art dealer and is incredibly successful in her own right. And my other cousin is a judge in New York City. 
So, you know, the women in my family are no joke. Um, no, and a very have, impressive group. It, it is, it, you know, the task was to be that impressive. And so mm-hmm. my aunt and my mother coming down from their mother, you know, under no circumstances were you to not do anything you wanted to do. And under no circumstances were you to let anybody tell you no. Um, and when I decided to go into this business, they were all like, all right, all right, we got you. It's going to be tough, but we got you. And uh, anytime I've ever had a problem, you know, those, those women were there to tell me it's your duty to persist and to keep going for the women coming behind you. So anytime I ever faltered, one of them said, too bad, too bad, suck it up because there's people coming behind you and they need you to keep going. That's fantastic. That, that is, that is the perfect place for us to end before, of course, we'd get to five fun facts, but that is just <laughs> fantastic. And, and those are the mentors that I think really are so important for us and the people that are with us from the time we're, we're little kids to the time we are grown adults. And, and that's just incredible. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us and uh, mm-hmm. sharing all about your family. What an incredible group of women and people. I mean, just really an incredible group of people. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so that brings us to the betonline.ag five fun facts of the week. We ask everybody the same five fun facts. So if you are ready, Mandy, I will just rattle them off. Go for it. All right. What is your favorite moment in sports? Uh, that one is super easy. We're going to go in the Wayback Machine. Um, January 2nd, 1982, uh, I was 11 years old. So everybody can figure out my age, which is awesome. Um, went to, uh, Miami Dolphins playoff game with my father and sort of funnily enough, my two cousins came with us, um, not sports fans at all. I'm not really sure why we took them. Um, and it's super sad because they don't even realize that they were at one of the best football games ever played. Um, so I, it was the Dolphins versus the Chargers in a playoff game. And um, at halftime, you know, right before halftime, the Dolphins were down. And Don Strzok threw a pass to Duriel Harris, who lateraled to Tony Nathan in the hook and ladder. Like, the most exciting play. The place went absolutely crazy. People chanting Don Shula's name. I've never had more fun at a sporting event in my life. And we lost the game in, in the end. But it, it was just such an amazing sporting event to be part of, to be at. And I, I turned to my father at one point and I said, these two aren't even going to know. They don't even know they're witnessing history. And uh, so we just laughed and said, yeah, we messed up. We should have brought some football people with us. That's amazing. <laughs> but hands down, hands down my favorite, my favorite moment. That, that sounds fun. That's incredible. What is your life motto? Um, you know, it's funny. I probably would go back to what I said earlier about don't give me problems, give me solutions. Mm-hmm. I, it goes to every aspect of my life in the truck. You know, I, problems don't do us any good. Get to the solution. You know, with my daughter, mommy, I'm thirsty. Solve that problem. Super easy, sweetheart. Oh, I guess I could get some water. Yes. Solve the problem. Don't give me, <laughs> don't give me the problem. Find a solution. What is your go-to workout? Oh, that's an easy one too. Um, I go to a um, yoga class. It's um, in a hot yoga studio. It's not Bikram. It's just hot. So uh, it's 100 degrees, and it is a weightlifting, cardio, burpees, 
you know, crazy class that incorporates weights and yoga. And it's an amazing hour. Um, I have taken numerous athletes uh, to it and they have not made it through the class, which always makes me feel pretty good. Um, but it's an amazing, it's an amazing class and everybody there is a huge sports fan. So it's a lot of fun to go to. Um, and, uh, it's definitely three or four, at least times a week I'm down there. Oh, that sounds, that sounds fun. Actually, that sounds like a great class. What is your go-to coffee order that you have before that class? Uh, so, you know, I, I'm the super annoying one because I don't have a go-to. It's what's, what's some, some, you know, some mornings are like an almond milk latte and some mornings are a venti frappuccino with chocolate chips. It just depends on the day and what's going on. That's fair. I think that's that's totally fair. Uh, and last but not least, a book every woman should read. Um, so I read a lot, um, a lot of different across a lot of different genres. But I would say every woman should read a book called She Persisted. It's the um, Chelsea Clinton book that was written for kids. Um, it is 13 short little blurbs about American women who changed the world. Mm-hmm. And every time I read it with her, it, it brings back what I was saying about the women of my family. You have to persist. So no matter who tells you no, no matter who makes you feel bad, no matter who makes you say, I shouldn't be here or why am I here, you have to persist. And, and these women, these stories are just amazing. It's, you know, Flojo and Sonia Sotomayor. And it's just a really good, it's just a good book. My daughter and I go back to it over and over and over. And we've read them all over and over and over. And she always goes, well, do Flojo first. I like Flojo. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but they're all, they're all great stories. And so it's not, it's not any kind of, you know, crazy long novel or anything. I just, it's a really, I go back to it sometimes when I need a reminder of how hard it is to do something that most women don't do. That's, that's awesome. Well, that is the betonline.ag five fun facts of the week. Use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. Mandy, thank you so much. This has been really an awesome episode, uh, and I just really love the advice that you've shared and what you've shared about your family. I just I think it's going to be really inspiring for our listeners, so thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. I hope so, too. Uh, well, hopefully I will talk to you soon and see you someday at a sporting event, and uh, thank you for being on. Goodbye, Fangirl Nation. That would be awesome. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.